Good morning, church. I realize that I forgot my coffee somewhere, so we'll see how the sermon goes today. If it makes any sense at all. We are in uh, um, Galatians chapter 5 this morning as we continue our Loving Your Neighbors um, sermon series. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Galatians 5.13, there's Bibles under the chairs if you'd like to follow along or love to get you a Bible if you don't have one or help you find one. And talk to us afterwards if you need one. Chapter 5, verse 13 of Galatians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Chapter 5, 13. The Apostle Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Underline that. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. The Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you open up our hearts and our minds this morning to the work that you, that you intend to do in us and on us and through us? Father, would you pour out your Spirit, the Spirit, Lord, that, that opens us up to understanding the Scripture, to being both convicted and encouraged. And so, Father, pour your Spirit out on each of us. Empty me of myself and fill me to overflowing that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say together, Amen. Well, we continue this journey together of discovering what it means for us to love our neighbors. Now, on the one hand, it just doesn't sound like it should be that hard to figure out, does it? But the truth of the matter is that seven of the ten commandments have their focus on loving the neighbor. So it's clear that God, if God needs to instruct us and warn us to teach us about what that looks like, how we're supposed to love our neighbors that it's more difficult than we'd like to admit. And I think we all know that to be the truth, right? It doesn't come naturally. Love the neighbor isn't our first move in life or our deepest intentions for people around us. After all, our neighbors have completely different understandings of maybe of life or politics or religion. They might not have even grown up in this area. They might be from Lind. Just, 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 just checking, just checking if you're, if you're awake. I'm kidding, but, but they might not have grown up in the Midwest or in this country, so how do we love them? What does it look like to follow through on the love that God is calling us to be and to live out for our neighbors? Now, if you've been part of the small group series Love and Chaos, 
the narrator Bob Goff has had some really helpful insights into loving our neighbors. And if you weren't able to be in a small group, I'd really encourage you to, to if you don't have a Right Now Media, we can help you download that. There's so much great resources there. But go on, down, uh, go on that Right Now Media and download that Love and Chaos. And maybe with your spouse or a friend or get a group of friends together, I'd encourage you to go through this study because there's been some really great insights. It's been really provoking and helpful. For, I think those of you in the study would, would agree. Loving our neighbor been a good good study well our sunday morning sermons have also been walking us through how to love our neighbor so together over the last number of weeks we've discovered that loving our neighbor isn't an option from god no it is a calling from god amen and each sunday morning we've allowed scripture to teach us what love is how who our neighbors are why we should love them when we should love them and today our theme how do i love my neighbor how do we love our neighbors. Well, a, a quick little recap or reminder. Pastor Greg last week he preached, and when he, he preached on this, that about when we are to love them. And of course, it's at all times. <laughs> but in specific, he talked about the fact that our love for our neighbor has a purpose of bringing them into a relationship with Jesus. So in this way, we're to be discerning about how and when we are to press in or step in with that specific invitation to know Jesus or to offer them the love of Christ. Our, our love for our neighbors is ultimately about God using us to gather people into a saving relationship with Him, with Jesus. So on a daily basis, we love them. Right? We care for our neighbors. We're empathetic and we're encouraging. But specifically, we go about our daily loving of the neighbor in hopes that we can bring them the ultimate love which we've talked about, agape, the love of God, the divine love of God, by offering them Jesus, by praying with them, or having a conversation with them about coming into relationship with Christ. The harvest is happening now and we're part of it whether we're planting seeds or watering or reaping. God uses us in outreach and evangelism, loving for Jesus' sake. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul urges Timothy and us to pray for people, to engage in loving them. And it says, this is good. And it's pleasing to the sight of God our Savior who desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So the harvest is now. We're part of it. So how do we go about this? How do we love our neighbors? Well, let's go to the text. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 13 and 14 there. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're free. Jesus has freed us from the demands of the law. We don't have to do things to be perfect in order to be saved. We don't have to try to impress God with our behavior. Salvation comes as a gift from God. We're free. Now in your freedom, as Paul said, don't use as an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, through love, serve one another. In other words, don't let your freedom, the salvation that you found in Jesus, lull you into living selfishly where you're focused on the flesh and you lose sight of the higher calling and purpose of being freed to glorify God and live a life of thankful praise. Praise of His saving love that has captured and freed you. And herein lies the emphasis for today. We love our neighbors not by some cookie-cutter plan or a list of activities, and maybe you'd like me to, you know, to put that on the board so you could write it down and then you could check off the list and feel good. 
But that's not what we're doing here today. How do we love them? We do it by dying to ourselves and allowing the love of God, the agape, talked about that in the last weeks, the, the divine love, take over our hearts and minds which guides us into the lives of our neighbors. Amen? Agape love draws us out of ourselves and into our neighbors for Jesus' sake. So what does that look like? Well, if it isn't an easy follow-to-do list or a cookie-cutter evangelism program that, that the pastor's going to give you, that I can you know, find, kind of find the pamphlet titled, How to Love My Neighbor, then what does it look like? How do we do this or live this out? We'll turn to Galatians 5 again and take a look at verses 16 and 17. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. There are two realities in these verses that we need to lift up and acknowledge as we think about how we love our neighbors. First, we discover in these verses something that I think all of us can sense. And I think you sense it acutely as a Christian because the Spirit convicts you. But even non-Christians feel a battle inside themselves. Amen? There's a battle between, let's call it selfishness and selflessness. The battle between the flesh and the spirit these are opposed to each other does anybody not feel that right so there's a battle over our thoughts and our actions and we can sense that we know that now that's the first thing that we see in the text on the other side of this the flesh is always focused on self-gratification the flesh wants to serve me as the Apostle Paul said of himself in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate. He names that battle. So how do we deal with that? How can we love our neighbors if we're bent on serving the flesh and gratifying ourselves? Well, here's the simple answer. We can't. <laughs> That's that simple. In Galatians 5, Paul lists some of what the fleshy desires is working towards. And if you look at that list of, this, of the stuff in Galatians 5 that, that lists the, the, the desires of the flesh, it's all self-gratifying, self-pursuing, self-pleasure. You see, you can't hear the needs of others, the pain or the struggles, the hopes or the dreams of those around you, your neighbors, if your focus is yourself. Amen? You just can't. Let, let's think of it in practical terms. Am I going too fast? I feel like I've had a lot of coffee all of a sudden. Let's think of this in practical terms. When I'm focused on myself, what I want, how I want things to go, <laughs> or what I want to do, in those times, I have discovered that I'm not a very great husband or a very good father or all that good at friendships, or being a follower of Jesus, because the truth is, in those moments, I'm not really following Jesus. I'm following me. I'm putting forth my agenda. I'm trying to forge my own path. Life becomes about me. And when that's the case, the flesh 
is rearing its ugly head. And in those moments, if we look at the text, we can think of it like this. I'm not walking in step with the Spirit. And I love that simple instruction from verse 25 and 26 in Galatians 5 where it says, hey, if we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited or provoking one another, envying one another. Let's not be conceited. (laughs) That word conceited in the original Greek text literally means let's not be desiring empty glory. (laughs) In other words, let's not chase after the things of the flesh that leave one empty or bring one the praise of men, of humans. Rather, let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit to work in us and through us This doesn't lead to empty glory, but rather to the glory of God. When we walk by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Holy Spirit and has eternal implications both for us and for the people that we come in contact with, our neighbors. By walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, what happens as we do that is truly a radical thing. Here's what happens. The flesh is put to death. It's crucified. And we get raised up in new life, in the life of the Spirit. For any one of us to truly love our neighbors, the flesh, the selfishness must die. Only then can we walk in the Spirit that points us outward, that turns us from selfish pursuits to the selfless love of those around us. The Holy Spirit work that it does in us, it turns our lives inside out. The Spirit, our focus, and our priorities shift onto the neighbor. This is what it means for the flesh to be crucified. As we're turned outward, our eyes are open, and we start to see the needs of the people around us. Now remember, those neighbors might be people in your home, might be your family, they might be friends or coworkers, they might be strangers in the street, it could be a whole host of ways, but by the Spirit we die to ourselves and we were raised up to a Spirit-lived, Spirit-filled, abundant life. And by walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, what this does is it allows us to love others well, not for our own sake or glory, but for the glory of God and ultimately the salvation of those that God has given us to love. Actually, what the Spirit does in the heart and mind of the believer is it allows and empowers the believer to bear Good fruit. Look at that list of Galatians 5.22. Look at the list there. Here's the the opposite. This is the work of the Spirit now in the life of somebody that has crucified the flesh. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Look at that list. Can you see how outward-focused that list is? How opposite of the flesh and its desire that list, the, the work of the Spirit is? Believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior allows the Spirit to move in our lives and, through the, and, 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 it, and, and the flesh is put to death, crucified. The Holy Spirit enters our heart and we start bearing fruit. All of this enables us to love and our neighbors and glorify God. So if the question today is, how do we love our neighbors? The answer is, by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Without the Spirit filling and guiding, I live selfishly. That's that's a confession. (laughs) 
That's called all of us. But walking in the Spirit, we are freed and empowered to truly agape, divinely love those that God places around us. Now in a practical sense, how we love them, keeping in step with the Spirit or allowing the Spirit to lead us, can function like small day-to-day shifts in our heart and mind, right? Where the Holy Spirit prompts us out of the flesh, out of selflessness, and moves us to notice and see and hear the neighbor next to us. Walking and keeping step with the Spirit opens up our ears and our eyes to the struggles of those around us. Remember, they might be somebody you know or not. But whoever it is, the Spirit prompts you to see them and it pokes you to respond. Anybody ever felt that? Three of us. Right? Have you felt those small promptings from God where you're aware that someone is hurting that someone needs, uh, needs you next to them to speak into them or to walk with them, to share with them in their burden, to ask a question, to check in, or to pray with them. Remind them of the love of Jesus Christ that He has for them. In those moments, we're either going to keep in step with the Spirit and reach out, or the flesh will say things like this, you're kind of busy, Dave. This is sort of uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. Well, they won't listen anyways. And we become like the priest and the Levite passing on the other side. There's a whole host of temptations that the devil throws at the flesh, right? So, those are the day-to-day ways of how we, can, how we can love our neighbor by simply listening to the prompting of the Spirit. But there's also an overarching, larger-scale transformation that we need to talk about briefly. And that has to do with the shift of your life from chasing after the flesh to being guided by the Spirit. This is a big deal. In one sense, that might be, mean that you actually become a Christian that you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, allowing the Spirit to transform you. That word in church, the churchy word for that is to sanctify you, to crucify the desires of the flesh, and to turn your life and your heart and your mind and your focus to the Lord and serving of the neighbor. That's one thing. However, I think that there's also saved Christians who sort of live fleshy lives. Anybody uncomfortable? When I was trying to be a rock and roll star in my early 20s, after college, I was playing probably two to four nights a week in coffee shops or bars. Our band was putting out albums. At the same time, I was leading worship every Sunday morning. So I didn't like to headline on Saturday nights. That didn't, I meant I would get home at two or three and I'd have to get up and lead worship. The problem here is that for me, living that life of music, this, isn't for, this is my story, that's not everybody now, the temptation of the flesh constantly overshadowed the work of the Spirit. So I wasn't a very good son to my parents at the time. They worried about me. And thankfully I wasn't married at the time and I didn't have children because I would not have been a good father or a good husband. I was way more self-focused 
than I, than I was focused on how I could actually love the people around me. I knew the Lord, but if I was honest, I didn't really want to crucify the flesh or totally walk by the Spirit. Being honest. But a person can't live in the in-between worlds. It, 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 it's a crucible. It crushes you. In Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about laying up treasures in heaven, right? And in verse 24, Jesus says something that I, that I came to understand in my life through this time of straddling the flesh and the Spirit. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You either hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't live life divided. Perhaps another way to say it is this. You can't be led by the Spirit as you're gratified in the flesh. How do we agape, divinely love our neighbors? Well, we allow the Spirit to guide us. That might mean a radical shift in your life, like I'm just talking about. A turning from the flesh. It might mean a daily opening, God opening up your eyes and ears to those around you. Taking the focus off yourself and turning to the neighbor. One of those two things. So what do you think God is doing in you today? What is the Lord telling you about how He longs to live in and through you so that He can get love out to the neighbors around you? Do you need a radical shift? If so, I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to move. Or, do you just need to be reminded that life isn't about you? <laughs> and that there are daily decisions and daily promptings that the, that the Lord wants to do and make in you, and you felt them. And I'm encouraging you today to, to act on them. There is no better life than life in Jesus. Amen? It's so good. I've known both sides. You've probably known both sides too. And a Spirit-filled life is just so, so good. As the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Wow! Woo! This is what guides us. What drives us. That living out love for Jesus' sake offers to people true, abundant, eternal life. And as Jesus spoke about in Matthew 6 about having a treasure, right? That we have this treasure to live out and to give to others so that they can know Him. We have to remember that and claim that. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus wants to use our life, our caring, our service to love others and give them a treasure of salvation, of forgiveness and hope and love. That is Jesus. And that happens as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit and allow that Spirit to guide us out of selfishness and into the selfless love of Jesus Christ and the neighbor. So I want to invite you today Come with us. And let's keep in step together with the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's love our neighbors really well. For Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Father, we admit that whether we're far from You or, or, or walking close to You, that at times, Lord, we 
temptations of the flesh can cause us to, uh, to stumble or, or to turn away or to become self-focused. Father, would You train our hearts and our minds today to turn to You, to keep in step with the Spirit? Would You pour out Your Spirit and fill us? Would You provide opportunities this week for each and every one of us? To, would You prompt each of us this week in some way to, to pray for or to come next to or to simply love somebody really well who needs it? And remind us that that's You at work in us and through us. Father, teach each of us day in and day out in little and big ways how to love our neighbors. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,